Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week with Bridgeways and Radakram. As always, I'm Radakram. I'm joined today by my dear friend Bridgeways. Bridge, how are you doing? Hey guys, hello to all. So Radakram, how are you today? Uh, doing good. It's a nice rainy morning here in Pune. Um, I think this is the first episode that we're recording today of our hopefully this might be a little ambitious weekly podcast on all things nerdy and geeky. To give you a little back, bit of background, Bridge and I are going to give you a little bit more information. Bridge, why don't you start us off? Yeah, the, now this podcast, it comes out from our thoughts and discussions we are having. And we find that uh, we shared a lot of uh, interests in almost all things uh, nerdy, geeky, whatchamacallit. And the idea was, why don't we just put it out there in the interwebs and have like-minded people listen in and maybe form a community around that, especially in our neck of the woods where, unluckily, we have a lot of people like us around, but we all have to always listen in to the guys on the other side of the Atlantic to catch up with the fun. So, uh, Radio, what do you think we'll discuss in this podcast? Well, um, we all come from a sort of varied background of different brands or different branches or genuses of nerdiness. So, me, myself, I'm into comic books, movies, TV shows. Um, I play Magic the Gathering quite heavily. I'm a huge fan of gaming, although, you know, probably more tabletop and collectible card games. And what about you, Bridge? Um, I come from comics too. Uh, my comics history is quite a long one, though not as organized as I have learned it to be later. Because in our time, you get a comic, you buy it, and we never knew which volume, which topic, which uh, episode it was from. Uh, so, yes, I have a lot of history of reading uh, superhero comics out of uh, cycle, out of story, and still enjoying each and every one of them. Uh, other than comics, movies, I have been a big movie buff, uh, not in the artistic manner, but just enjoy watching good movies. I love books. Books have always been with me throughout my life. And again, pulp fiction, science fiction, uh, superhero stuff, that's where I normally gravitate to. And uh, gaming, uh, uh, the gaming on the video side, I've, uh, I've been video gaming for quite a long time on the PC. I never really did much of internet gaming because I'm from the time when internet was still a pipe dream in India. But I've done my share of Dooms and Heretics and uh, Leisure Suit Larrys. <laughs> and... Uh, after that, uh, tabletop gaming is something I learned in the last uh, two decades and have been very interested in it, though I've actually not played it till this year. So, yes, so I have, um, I have a myriad uh, interest in all these stuff uh, and the other interest I have is in music, so that's where it is. Perfect. So, just to kind of give you a context of what it is we're going to be trying to do, Again, don't know if we'll succeed, but we will try. We'd like to give you sort of a weekly roundup of sort of this week in nerdy news, kind of, you know, the most important stuff at this side of the world, as well as kind of do a topic each week that we sort of go in deep with and talk about, be it tabletop gaming, role-playing games, video games, collectible card games, all of that different amazing stuff. Um, let's kind of open with this week. So this week, actually, you know, we're into Comic-Con and... You know, while obviously we're not there in person, what we do see on this side of the world are all the amazing trailers coming out for it. Now, I'm a huge CW-verse fan. I watch The Arrow, uh, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, of course. And there was a lot of 
fun new material spoiled. We had trailers come out for Stranger Things Season 2. We had Arrow and Flash. We had Thor Ragnarok. We had a reveal on Avengers Infinity War. We also saw some really cool stuff out of the show called The Gifted, for which we now have a trailer, which is sort of bridging the gap between the X-Men movies and Logan, um, which is really quite exciting because it sees Amy Acker coming back again. Again, one of my favorite actresses from Days of Angel. Um, Bridge, what about you? Anything, anything particularly strike your fancy in that list? The interesting thing is I actually miss Comic-Con. Uh, the, the, the date of Comic-Con, I was released a hectic week. I came to know about it from Stephen Goldberg. Sorry, not Stephen Goldberg. It was Conan. Conan trying to do a ah, Comic-Con yes. citizenship uh, test. And uh, that, that, that was, uh, that was uh, fun. And that's when I realized something's going on. Uh, but uh, I did end up, yesterday night, I did end up watching some of the trailers coming out. And the, the last shot of Ragnarok with Hulk jumping into... I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's a very apt description. Fantastic. And, and it's very interesting for me, the Ragnarok Hulk is the Hulk I really like, who's not all dumb, who actually strings sentences, words together Absolutely into a useful right. sentence. Absolutely I mean, right. That makes him really a contender. <laughs> no, seriously. I, I really, I lost my cool when I saw Hulk finally speaking and it was amazing. It was pretty much exactly what I was hoping it would be and I'm glad they're getting there. For anyone who still remembers the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton, that is still sort of technically part of continuity. It was something I've looked forward to since that very last scene, sort of where you see um, Edward Norton's eyes light up with that sort of recognition that he can now control the Hulk. And I'm so glad that all these years later, we are finally seeing that happen. Guys at Marvel, you're doing something absolutely right. Keep doing more of it. We look forward to all of these movies. So, and about the serials also, I think a lot of people have uh, a lot of people have issues with the serials. A lot of people have issues with the defenders. My point is, it's all my childhood uh, superheroes coming to life. Absolutely, and we I am all for it. Defenders. Yeah. Now that you, and I'm glad you brought that up because we forgot to mention Defenders and also Justice League, which also had a new trailer drop, which was mm-hmm. amazing. You know, this is yeah. You know, people always ask, like, why Marvel? Like, Marvel or DC? And the correct answer is just, why not both? Because there's so much good stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think a lot of good trailers have come out this this season. Uh, But but I must say, Justice League, the the first trailer which came out, the one where all the songs were uh, premiered, that was was difficult to uh, overtake that one. The new trailer was fine, but... It was, it was okay. I mean, compared to Ragnarok, first trailer versus second one, the second one was, it took the game one notch up. Right. So, I, I definitely see that, although I am also now more excited about the villain than I am about the actual heroes at this point, because I, I believe it's been confirmed at this point that it might actually be Steppenwolf, who's the villain in this case. I'm not 100% sure, but the meager visuals we were able to catch seemed <laughs> amazing. Um, Given their sort of checkered history, I'm not expecting the best story in the world, but I am expecting just a really, really good action movie. I am expecting one of those fantastic late summer blockbusters. Um, Although I actually, well, I guess it probably isn't late summer. At this point, it'll probably be a winter blockbuster, but still looking forward to it nonetheless. But But, uh, tell me more about that. uh, Before we go, that all of these are uh, slated for November? I believe so. I think so, right? Yeah, yes. So it's going to be an interesting November. Yeah, some of the shows are going to be out starting end August. Um, I believe we have Defenders coming out towards 
I want to say maybe August 18th, mid to late August. Um, and I believe we also have another release set for October, although I'm not quite sure which one that is. Um, yeah. And other news also, we're hearing a lot of interesting announcements coming out of Comic-Con. Um, there's also talk of a Doctor Doom solo movie, <laughs> which would be very interesting given, again, the checkered past of Fantastic Four. <laughs> that said, one of my favorite characters, still something I'm looking forward to. Um, and we also heard that Todd McFarlane was now going to be directing um, a smaller budget Spawn movie. Um, and I'm so excited about this because I saw the original as a kid, which I really probably shouldn't have at that <laughs> age. <laughs> but um, I saw the original back when it came out with Michael J. White. And I still thought it was really cool. I mean, I you know wasn't quite into comics at that point, but that is still one of my favorite sort of underrated cult superhero movies. So, yeah, a lot of good things coming out, and it's all really, really exciting stuff. Hopefully we hear and see more about all of these projects mm-hmm. soon. So what have we played this week? What have we played this week? That is a fantastic question. I have been playing a lot of Elder Scrolls Legends. I've been playing Hearthstone, although I will frankly admit that Hearthstone is a little bit more of a chore at this point than something I necessarily enjoy as much as I used to. I'm really looking forward to the next expansion, which actually we're going to be talking about shortly. Um, I've also played this very, very interesting new game called Dead Cells. It's been doing the rounds on playthroughs on YouTube and a lot of other places. It's a really, really fun game. It's an early access on Steam, and it is a really fun game. It's basically been described as a combination of Castlevania roguelike gameplay with the with you know the dying aspect of something like Bloodborne or Dark Souls, and it is you know one of those very like skill based high difficulty games where basically you're sort of, you know, you are expected to die repeatedly and often, but each time you do that, you sort of progress or change the area in some shape or form, which is a thoroughly interesting concept. And it's actually a 2D platformer, so I would say it's probably more approachable for people who don't have, you know, high-end gaming rigs or, you know, good PCs. I don't know if this is a platform release yet. I believe it might be for the PS4. I could be wrong, but certainly something you should check out. Though, not something I want to go on about today. But what about you, Bridge? Uh, on my side, on the computer side, I haven't played much. I There was a game, I forget its name now. I had a game out there on my Android, which was this, um, one of our uh, Pune gamers had uh, proposed it. That's a good game. It's it's a free game. You you buy stuff if you want to, just to save that. And it was this... Um, Thief, Card Thief. The name of the game. The name of the game is Card Thief. And if any of you have Android, uh, I think it may be on iOS also, but it's surely on Android. If you have Android, you can just download that. It's it's an interesting game. You have a set of cards and you put it into a a, a four by four or a four by well, it's a three by three, a three by three cell, and you're a thief and you there are um, there are loot to be some, um, got and cards to escape from and. Uh, torches are lit and you can uh, remove the torches and you have a sneak value and if it goes to zero or minus one you get caught if there's a card near you if the card is not near you can escape and etc etc and you got to go through a deck and okay. finally when you go through a deck you get a manhole kind of a card so you're basically raiding castles you're a, you're a thief you're a sneak guy and you're raiding castles and uh, every time you come out of that you uh, have stealing chests and those chests give you insignias and coins which allow you to go That's to the next castle. Really cool. And is there some aspect of deck building in there as well? Uh, no, there isn't. It's, it's, it's straight so out of the box. Decks, right. it, it, to, to the only extent uh, 
deck building company. It's actually not even a pre-made deck. I would say just the, it, it is the entire deck. That's it, right? And as you go up the levels, you have more interesting cards come out of that deck. So each each card in the deck is essentially something that's out to kill you, except one or two cards, which if you play smartly, you get back your sneak score kind of thing. And you can, as you win this chess, you can get enough points to buy some cards and keep with you, but you cannot keep more than three cards with you, which are kind of adaptions. Uh, on, or, or like one card, can you play a card at the beginning of your turn, uh, you remove one card from the uh, from the cell. So okay. that kind of stuff. The problem I faced is I was really enjoying the thing, but it seems to be eating a lot of my battery. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so very good for the case. I luckily had to uninstall it, but that's the game I was playing till uh, last week. Uh, and my free time and office etc other than that it has been tabletop games for me very interestingly uh, I purchased two games second hand from a friend um, Arkham Horror the tabletop board game from 2005 something I've heard quite a lot about actually a lot yes, of good things yes. yeah it's, it's an interesting game the more I read it's, 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 we have better games come after that on top of it so there's Elder Signs and there's Eldritch Horror that's so Eldritch right. Horror is the one which is people say that's the one which is more going to be come to the table more often because it is a streamlined uh, solution of uh, Arkham Horror. But others say that Arkham Horror does give the uh, thematic sense more than Eldritch does. In our in, in, in our Pune Gamers, we are actually alright with both because now I've got Arkham Horror and our friend Krish, he's uh, purchased Eldritch Horror. He's, he's already purchased in the US, so he's going to come down by September or so. That's fantastic. And I'm so glad you actually mentioned that because I think we've referenced this a few times, but we are also part of our local, I guess we would call it just a meetup group at this point, but we are the Pune board gamers as well. Um, we basically meet up every Sunday or maybe some other time during the week to just hang out, play board games. Just a bunch of sort of like-minded sort of people that like hanging out and playing, you know, doing nerdy things like playing Magic or Netrun or yeah. any other board games. We do a lot of board games. We've branched out into D&D quite recently too, actually. There's been, there's been some interest in it. Um, we've actually also invited to board games for Pune Comic Con. You know, it was the last major sort of event that we were invited to just to do like a little separate side event for them. And that was, of course, really, really fun. Something we'd love to do again. Um, yeah, so we might often, you know, talk about that or reference that. We'll talk about the Pune gamers. That's exactly who we mean. Um, we might actually be also hoping that at some point we might be able to have on additional guests who might, you know, be more qualified to talk about certain games than two of us. Yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's us. But yep. uh, any Netrunner this week? I meant to ask about that. Yes, so I've been kind of busy this week and, uh, like I said, this 51st State and uh, Arkham Horror, these two games that I got, I was... I've been playing it on my own, trying to get a handle on the rules before I take it out to the team. That's but right. Netrunner, I did play uh, on Jinteki. And uh, that has been interesting, Jinteki.net, uh, in the sense that uh, it, it's been good games that I've played. But yesterday I played against uh, our master and I won both the games. So, yeah, to me. <laughs> so, to clarify, we do have one player here who plays Netrunner and has now introduced it to all of us. For those unfamiliar, Netrunner is actually a collectible card game. It's a very interesting one because unlike it's a not lot a of other... a collectible card game. I guess technically that's right. It's a living card it's game living is how they choose game, to yes. put it. I stand corrected. Um, but it is a very interesting asymmetrical card game where you play as a hacker and a company and you know your goal is to steal the company's agendas and the company's goal is to advance their own agendas. 
Um, it's something that we've all very much gotten into as a group. We even had like a casual tournament at one point. I believe there's video footage of this up on YouTube, in fact, of me and Bridgewitz playing the game. <laughs> yes, there is. So if at any point you're curious exactly what these guys look like, you have some idea now. Yes, yes. Um, but good, that's good. I've actually kind of stepped away from Netrunner for a while just because the other CCGs, the, well, the proper online CCGs have kind of been taking up way much more of my time, but I'm quite looking forward to doing it in person just because I don't think I can, once I've played the actual in-person card game, I find it kind of difficult to go back to the online version. It's the same thing with Magic, in fact. It's it's either like real cards or it's nothing. That's why I have much much of an easier time playing the digital ones, which are only digital. Then if we, can, if we count last Sunday within the week, then I did play Magic too. <laughs> That's right, you did. So, I guess I'm this group's resident. So, for the Pune board gamers, I guess I'm sort of the resident magic person. I am sort Magic of, dealer. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, the magic dealer. Because, of course, if, you know, for anyone who's played magic, you know, the colloquial term for it is the cardboard crack. Because, of course, it's not just a hobby, it's an addiction. Anyone who's played magic for. I would say, you know, maybe more than a year will tell you the same thing. Um, <laughs> don't get into it, kids. It's a hell of a drug. Um, but that aside, I'm also sort of the one of two resident D&D GMs here at this point. Um, and uh, I also am one of the few players who actually plays X-Wing, which hopefully we can talk about yeah. at some point. Um, yeah. No, I so, think, I think as, a, as a general set of things that we can speak about, and we will speak about, uh, even if uh, we are the only ones who hear this podcast, is uh, we, I think we will have some of the main topics will be X-Wing, d and I think we'll probably have one or two uh, episodes because oh, there's a, a lot of that we need to discuss on. And uh, Netrunner, the CCGs itself as a, as a concept, Netrunner, and, uh, etc. But speaking of CCGs, since, uh, since there has been some activity around one of them, uh, albeit in the, on the online space, Let's uh, go to the main topic for the day around Hearthstone. Very good segue, Bridge. Very good segue. I appreciate that. Um, so, um, as with our original sort of, you know, introduction here, today we'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about Hearthstone, um, particularly Hearthstone's new upcoming expansion and sort of a brief introduction to the game for anyone who's, you know, thought about it but not really gotten into it, you know, would like to pick it up at some point. This is actually going to be a really good time to get into it because... So, actually, wait, you know what, I should probably backtrack a little bit. So, basically, Hearthstone as a game itself is a collectible card game. It is actually free to play, however, it is pay to compete, is the best way of putting it. A lot of players might disagree and tell you that it's pay to win, which is not necessarily the case. But basically, the goal of the game is to play against, it's a one-on-one game where you build a deck of cards out of a digital library, of course, because it's a digital CCG, and CCG being collectible card game. Um... Choose a particular class of which there are nine available, each of whom have their peculiarities, you know, their ways of play and unique mechanics to them. And, you know, compete against random opponents one on one um, just to bring their life total down to zero, basically, and to win the game. Um, you do this through a variety of different cards. The concept is that you play as one of nine prominent characters in the Warcraft universe. So for anyone who's played World of Warcraft, or even, you know, if you're much like me, where the last game that I played with Warcraft in it was probably Warcraft 3, you know, Frozen Throne. Actually, I don't even remember if it's called Frozen Throne. Um, It was definitely Reign of Chaos. I believe it actually was the Frozen Throne that I played last. You'll still recognize most of the cast from there. Um, 
it's actually quite interesting. We've actually managed. I actually did manage to get one other player into it here, as well as maybe one or two other people who sort of already played it before. Now, I think it's a really fun game because, as with anything put out by Blizzard Entertainment, it is polished to a mirror sheen. The gameplay, the you know, the actual mechanics of the game are very well done. The animations are crisp and solid. The art leaves nothing to be desired. The flavor of it is actually very nice because. They made a deliberate effort to take the very serious themes that kind of come out of Warcraft and just turn that into sort of a parody, turn it into a casual, you know, sort of mirror to the silliness of the actual Warcraft story at times. So, um, just a, just a query there, since you were following, because I I was completely out of the MMO scene. Um, I think the in those ro- rogue kind of things and fantasy kind of. Uh, stuff where you have to connect to other things i really was out of it i think i played neverwinter uh, solo campaign once and i played a lot of diablo the first one which came out so but coming back ah, to good old days <laughs> coming back to uh, to warcraft when uh, the way i see it when i look back at the history of hearthstone it was quite a big change for blizzard to come out with hearthstone after doing its uh, massive uh, RPGs, right? So, Absolutely. what was the as a, as a, as a gamer, as a person who was in the enjoying what Blizzard was putting out there? What was your reaction at that time when it came with Hearthstone? Did you think it would actually stick around? Well, honestly, I would say that while there were probably other collectible card games going back much farther, if anyone remembers, Urban Rivals was this French one that was an in-browser game. I think. whatever blizzard does they do it well and they took something that was sort of an established formula a la magic the gathering or yu-gi-oh or pokemon and they found a way to make that successful by tying it into one of their franchises now as mm. someone who very much enjoyed and even though i didn't play world of warcraft very much i was i played until the burning crusade expansion came out at which point i stopped um i did thoroughly enjoy the story i have kept up with it since then in subsequent expansions I thought it was very interesting because on the one hand I appreciated that you know they were building mechanics onto characters there was a lot of story to build on there was a lot of flavor there to be had and one thing that you might hear from me very often or bridge very often is that we are thoroughly enjoyed theme in game yeah um I especially am a huge fan of when you're able to translate or convey certain characters or certain themes in terms of actual mechanics yeah. and I think that's something they were within reason they were able to do quite well so I was a huge fan of that. The one thing that I didn't quite like is that perhaps maybe it's a little childish for me. You know, occasionally you can look at you know this character that is you know a thoroughly evil villain in you know the World of Warcraft series, and he's just kind of been caricaturized in the Hearthstone game because they do have flavor text for every single card. So one thing you might not know, even if you do play Hearthstone, is that there's flavor text for every single card, and every single one of them is a pun or a joke or some sort of a you know. silly sort of statement about the card itself that wasn't something i was initially a fan of but so hearthstone is the, the quality of the game i would say is what from, absolutely from a movie perspective hearthstone is the deadpool of warcraft <laughs> hearthstone yes so hearthstone is very much the deadpool of you know the marvel universe that is you know the warcraft <laughs> series and story you know in a way though that was actually i think a starting point for them because i believe heroes of the storm was their next big project that came after that which also did the same thing and it completely it made no effort to maintain immersion because as you may be aware heroes of the storm was this game that blizzard did that mashed up all the favorite hit characters from all their various franchises 
And you know, at that point, it just became. It was like just a this, cash cow. <laughs> it was just a. It was. It was just a cash cow. It still seems like it. Although I think since then they've been able to differentiate themselves a little bit from the others in the MOBA genre. I actually have heard reports of someone actually recently telling me that they quite enjoy Heroes of the Storm, and it's actually you know a really really casual version of Dota, which is good enough. I mean, that can still be fun. Yeah, if you start with that, if if you just go and open up Heroes of the Storm and play it, it's it's a nice. Uh, it's an interesting one. You get good characters and you don't have to worry about any... See, I think, see, that's where it comes. If you... In the old days, if you look at the really ancient days, you, you played Street Fighter because you fought. And there was a lot of context around that. A lot of stories came around that. But honestly speaking, none of the stories were really important. That's what true. was important was what is the skill set the fighters had. Right. Which one fit your kind of style. And how you could bash your opponent. That's all there was yeah, to Yeah, it was pretty much a game about the mechanics rather than the flavor of the story. And that absolutely makes And sense. then there were those uh, adventure games. Um, like I said, even even the fun adventure games like Larry's, uh, Larry, uh, Legislative Larry. Yep. It was all theme. I mean, there was no gameplay. You just chose something and you went ahead and you did, did, did that, right? Absolutely or, right. Or if I, if I remember right, there used to be Zorg. Which is all theme. It was oh, the text. It was a text. Yeah, you were you, oh, you were your diapers. You're talking about the text based. Oh, the text based wow. adventure games. Yes. And okay. Said, those like, are the those are the good good old days. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, see, see, that's one thing when people don't uh, realize about D and D. Sometimes is uh, Warcraft and uh, many of the RPGs. They they do D and D. They at times they're D and D for lazy people. Well, As essentially, the, a lot of them the were built off the same skill set. I mean, exactly. If you look at even something like Knights of the Old Republic, yeah, yeah. they literally use the exact same six Dungeons and Dragons stats, just reworded a little bit here yeah. and there. But what, 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 what but, I mean to say is, uh, like the text, text uh, gaming, the the thing about the text gaming. What I was trying to say is that you have to imagine your whole world. It's like reading a book. Yeah, that's true. Whereas uh, playing a game on the computer was like uh, seeing a movie. Absolutely, and, right. and, that makes and, sense. And and, it, and each has its place because, uh, right. for example, horror games. I was just listening to Dice Tower's uh, uh, top ten list uh, from uh, last year on horror games because right now I'm in Arkham Horror. I'm just trying to get a feel of yeah, it. Absolutely right. And their their point was valid, which is that even Arkham Horror. I was feeling that even in pandemic, I was feeling it. If I would take the theme seriously, is that there's a tension. The tabletop games give you a lot of tension because you are invested absolutely. in winning it or doing whatever. But it cannot make you feel horrific. But you play Doom or you play XCOM or you play stuff on um, on the computer. Yep. You bring down the lights. It's horrific. You will not sleep for nights. <laughs> right. So it's a movie. That's what it is, yeah. right? And, but and you know, bring that back to Hearthstone. You know, coming back there from that time of you know text base. I think the big thing with Hearthstone is that if maybe you're in here for the story, maybe Hearthstone is not exactly for you. Correct. Because it's not necessarily a game that's about the story. They do have these sort of mini campaigns they call like expansions, which they've actually recently said that um, they're either trying to reduce the frequency of those or phase them out, or have them available as free campaigns and subsequent expansions. But that is the closest brush that they have with the story is that you know you play through a series of you know computer played special boss classes which are not player controlled, which are obviously not available for players in normal gameplay. And they sort of tell a story through that of, you know, what's going on. There's some fantastic voice acting in there, I will say. Even with just a few catchphrases that you get, you still hear a lot of character convey. But that said, don't don't play Hearthstone for the story. <laughs> Definitely but, don't. But having said this, see, there are 
I have two questions on Hearthstone, but just before I ask that, a lot of people might be playing MTG or Netrana also, not for the story. I mean, I I, I, can't, I mostly can't play stuff without a theme, so in Netrana also, I am very much invested into the story. But uh, end of the day, most people would be playing it from uh, a constraint perspective. These are the constraints of my card, these are the constraints of my identity. Absolutely. What do I play, right? So, I mean, that's a gameplay at the end of the day. Right. But in Hearthstone, I've got two queries before we go to the announcements of Hearthstone. One, it is a CCG. Like you, you already said that it's, it's a CCG. So, collectability comes into picture. Now, there are online CCG games. There is MTG online. There used to be, like you said, some older online. But they are reflections, poor reflections of the actual physical game that people play. Absolutely. But Hearthstone right. always came out as a virtual world, right? Correct. So, how does the collectability fit into that? I mean. So, actually, it's a very good question. So, the way collectability plays into this is that while there's no actual trading system, Anytime, so collectability first comes in as in you buy digital booster packs, each of which have five cards. As with most of them, you're guaranteed at least one rare card and four of any other combination of cards. And the important thing to remember here is that because there's no trading, they have um, a crafting system, essentially, where you can take older cards or cards that you're not using or you feel have no value to you. You can break them down into this component called dust and use the dust to craft a different card obviously at a terrible exchange rate. The idea with this is that over time you can build towards the cards or decks that you want to play, even though you aren't exactly drawing the cards out of packs that you may actually need at that point. Now, collectability is one thing, and that also brings me to a very interesting other point, which is the concept of is it pay to win? Now, obviously this is a free game working on the freemium model, which means that it's free to play, but if you pay money, you can get certain products or advantages, right? So in this case, you can buy more booster packs with money. Now, obviously, if both of us start playing on the very same day and I spend a few hundred dollars buying booster packs, I now have access to way more decks, way more cards than you could possibly, you know, compete with at this point. That said, you know, if both of us were playing for a few months, perhaps, you know, we open packs, we did our quests, there's also mechanics called quests in the game, where if you complete certain objectives, you get more of the in-game currency with which you purchase the booster packs. So, and you also get awarded gold for winning three games. So every three games that you win, you can get 10 gold. And you can usually, you can make up to like, I would say probably between 80 to 100 gold just off quests and bare minimum wins per day if you had to. Um, it's not very difficult to accumulate cards very quickly. The point, however, is that let's say we've been playing for a few months and we each had maybe one or two decks. You might have one deck that you thought was competitive, that you had built and played and were competent with, and I might have five, but we would be at the same skill level. So I would qualify this with it's not pay to win, it is pay to compete. Because... You know, to be able to play at a high level or play with the best deck that you possibly could be playing, which is, you do need to put a certain amount of time in. Which is it. no different from CCG. Which is really no different than CCGs, absolutely. Yeah, because that's right. what you do. I mean, I may have five packs of MTG and I'll be happy with that. And you buy more or you go and trade a rare card and your deck will be stronger. It's as simple as that, right? Essentially. And I think a lot of this comes into the freemium mindset of, because uh, yes, I'm a free player, but I should have everything that everybody else does. I don't necessarily think that's the case, and I know this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but 
I don't think it inherently puts new players at a disadvantage. I think it does a very good job of, you know, allowing you to build decks even with so a certain collection of the game is already unlocked. They're available to all players from the very start of the game that you all have access to. Even playing just with that, it can still be a really fun experience, even though perhaps you're not playing at the highest power levels. And it's still something that you can gradually progress. You can make very measurable strides towards building a particular deck. And in fact, there's so many content creators out there that do budget builds and can talk about, you know, which decks to build on a budget for the least amount of dust or the least amount of packs or the least amount of expansions to buy. All things that I would encourage anyone who's interested to do. So you know? the, see, the, the whole premium model, I, I think is people have to be realistic about it, it takes money to make these things and it, there's some cost embedded somewhere. Worst case, which happens is if you don't pay anything, but they're putting ads in every page. And you've got to live with that. I mean, it's as simple as that. You've got to live with that. You, sh you should be aware of that. Exactly. Uh, my problem with premium models used to be in games, which were good games, but I don't know enough of the game. And they don't allow you to go beyond a certain level unless you pay up. So exactly. those were truly, you played those two levels or whatever, or one level, and then you uninstall the game. There's no really nothing more you could do. As opposed to that, in games which have resources, etc., that they're using uh, money to uh, help uh, resolve. Like, you know, in the, in the game I was telling you, the card thief, you take a chest, it takes around a time. And each time the chest takes longer and longer to open up. That's just the the, the obstacle they're put in place, which will right, be resolved by paying up. Yeah, so their monetization model. Basically and for is me, then it's just a ma ma basic part of comparing and swapping uh, money for time. So you, you got time. Right. You got time. Use the time. Don't pay the money. It's simple as that. Absolutely right, and I absolutely agree with that model because that's essentially what it is. You are. You could be spending time grinding out gold and getting packs to build the deck that you want, or you could be spending money to replace that time. But ultimately, there's no upper ceiling on what a free player can do that's different than what a paying player can do. Essentially, um, there are expansions which you do have to pay to get into. But you can also pay for those with gold, which is the in-game currency. So it doesn't actually bar any players, it just takes substantially longer. Now, I think one of the really interesting things about this being, you know, a digital CCG versus, you know, a paper CCG that's been translated into a digital platform is that it gives you certain advantages. There's certain mechanics that you can just do differently that you'd never be able to do on paper, which I think is where we started this discussion. And it does those really well. I mean, for instance, um, if anyone's familiar with, you know, magic, then you can't really change the cost of something when you take it back to your hand. You know, that requires a kind of tracking that just becomes impractical. You can't take a post-it and put it on your card and then put it into your hand and then have your opponent not know what it is. You know, so it handles, you know, information sharing really, really well. It handles random mechanics very well. Now, this is a huge... This is sort of a double-edged sword because it's one of my biggest criticisms of Hearthstone, but I will also say that it's one of the games that does it very, very well, is that it manages randomization mechanics very well. For instance, um, when they had a recent set, um, which is called the Grand Tournament, they had basically a jousting mechanic where certain cards would reveal a random card from your deck as well as your opponent's deck, and if yours had the higher cost, you won the joust and the card had sort of a bonus effect of some sort. Now that was really interesting because you'd never be able to really properly do that or do that as well rather in a game like Magic or in like a game like Signature for instance. They have toyed with these sorts of mechanics before but you know in like a tournament where the amount of time it just takes to 
Sorry about that. So we're back. So adding on random mechanics is things that is one thing that Hearthstone does very well. For instance, um, you know, having a card that says take a random copy of a card out of your opponent's deck. Well, that's realistically not ever going to happen in a paper game because that's not how those paper games really work. But in this, you know, it's it's online. It's digital. You can do whatever you want with that. You can do tricks like shuffling cards into your opponent's deck that do particular things, which is really great. That said, I will say that, you know, lately perhaps Hearthstone has become more of a random number generator game, which is a criticism that I've heard before, and that I also make up the game very frequently in that games are often determined just by sheer chance, for better or worse. And in that case, you know, it doesn't really feel like much of a victory when the outcome of the victory was determined by random chance, and it feels really, really unfair when you lose as a result of random cards or randomness being a factor. Now, you know, obviously that's, you know, not there's nothing to be remedied about it because really that's just the style of game it is right now. And if you like it, you can play that. If you don't, you know, you can find another game to play, which of which there are plenty, which in fact I've taken to playing Elder Scrolls Legends a lot recently because it exactly prides itself on not being a randomness-oriented game. But I think it does these things well. Now, Kind of coming back to the you know the reason why we started this topic at this point is that they just announced a new expansion. Um, so this expansion is Knights of the Frozen Throne. Um, it's planned for a release in early to mid-August, which is coming up quite soon, in fact. And this is just a gentle reminder to anyone thinking of getting into the game. Whenever there is a new set release, there are frequently packs given out as promos or as incentives for new or old players. Everyone signs in and gets packs just for showing up. There's usually a little quest chain um, that you might get when this expansion hits, you know, that gives you access to like free packs. And that's always a perfect thing for any free-to-play player. And it also makes it very, very easy for new players to come in at this particular time. Um, so at this point, if you're thinking about getting into it, absolutely get into it. In fact, the quests have already gone live. There's currently, um, what's, they're doing a little promotion called the Frost Festival to hype up, you know, this. So they added a quest where you got a free arena ticket. Now, arena is their drafting format of choice, which we might talk about another time when we talk about drafting formats and games. But basically, you're given three packs that you can open later on in August. Well, I'm sorry, it might be one pack or three packs, I'm not quite sure, which you get to open, you know, mid to late August. And this is actually really cool. So far, they've spoiled a series of new mechanics. Well, yes, they've revealed rather than spoiled, I should say. They've revealed one particular new mechanic, um, which is hero cards, which are sort of very specific things that sort of change the identity of the character that you play as to something that's a little bit different and that plays a little differently than what you're used to, um, as well as adding some new mechanics. In particular, they finally now have a lifesteal mechanic, um, something right out of the old days of Magic or any other paper CCG. A lot of other CCGs have this. It's not unique. It's just great that they're adding it to Hearthstone. While they have had cards that functionally do the same thing, the fact that this mechanic now exists allows them to make it far more interactive in nature and gives them a greater space of interactivity to play with. So, in other news, they also have the return of the death rattle mechanic, something that's already been around and popular. Something that's actually part of the meta game right now, in some shape or form. But other than that, there have been a lot of card reveals. They have revealed two legendary cards and one rare card so far. Um, 
unsurprisingly, the one rare card they revealed did have a huge random element to it, which, you know, might have annoyed some players, might have made others really happy. If uh, you're interested in content creators who talk like a lot more about Hearthstone, feel free to check out Trump and Kriparian. Um, there's also Brian Kidler, who is a Magic player, I believe he also was a poker player at one point, who also now like does a stream for Hearthstone. Um, so you can check all of those out for way more info on this, because this yeah, is pretty much yeah, everything that they do. The Hearthstone streams are fun to watch. I mean, uh, given an option between watching uh, MTG or an Eternal Twitch channel and a Hearthstone Twitch channel, because the Hearthstone is already video, it's it's made for the media. Absolutely right. And that's a very good point in that it is a very good spectator game. There's a very low barrier of entry to understanding the basic mechanics of right. the game. Because a lot of it is just designed for novices to CCGs. That same level of interactivity and needing to know and memorize every single card that you might have with a Netrunner or with a Hearthstone, I'm sorry, Netrunner or with a Magic, is not there. And that's actually a really good point, is that streams are a lot easier to watch for new players. Um, the mechanics are usually a lot easier to understand, and there's a, like I said, a, huge, a very, very low bar of entry. You know, so, Chris, what questions, thoughts do you have about all of this? What do you yeah. think? No, I think I've asked the stuff that was in my mind. Uh, the, I think from a CCG perspective, for me the CCG angle always came to an angle of cost. It was always, uh, earlier it was quite cost prohibitive. Now it isn't so much cost prohibitive, but still, uh, I mean, it's 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 my mentality that, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to know what I'm getting into and CCG is, at Absolutely. the end of the day, a slightly random pack that you get and you, you get try to pick it out of that. So, I, I, this, that's one part of the gaming world which I'm uh, not really invested in, in terms of, uh, I understand it, but I do understand it, but I'm not invested in it. No, but even that for that sense. kind of a scenario, uh, something like Hearthstone still makes sense because you don't treat it like a CC, you just treat it like you're getting certain powers and those powers come regularly and you can buy those powers. Now, that I have done before, I mean, you play yeah. an online RPG and you do that, you get uh, two yeah, skill and you exactly. put it somewhere. Any freemium game will have that Correct. kind of barrier. Absolutely right. And uh, and then as you play it and you see that uh, again, it is my assumption that the CCGs uh, become uh, people get invested into CCGs uh, when they play with people for quite some time and get into the flow of it, and then they realize there is an there is a value add to that investment, right? Absolutely. Maybe it, uh, it, so Hearthstone may be a way for people like us where CCGs are not very commonly played on the table. Uh, to have that feeling and, and get involved in a global activity. You know, I, I think that's a really good point. I will say, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I would say that's also perhaps one of the things that you don't quite get out of Hearthstone because Hearthstone doesn't have any communication or chat option unless you add somebody as a friend. All you can do is send them emotes out of a series of six preset ones. So I would definitely say that it very much does lack that social aspect that you might see of a face-to-face -face CCG, as it is with any online CCG. Um, that, you know, I think definitely adds a huge, huge aspect to it that I could really talk about because I've, so as a, a magic, a long time magic player of, I would say it's been like five years now, perhaps it's probably been just over five years. Um, magic has added a lot to my life and a lot of it has not come from the mechanics of the game or the flavor of the story, but from the connections that I made with that game, you know, with long time friends, with colleagues, with meeting new people and just having good positive experiences. 
I think you get a little less of that with Hearthstone. I think it's more mechanical in this case. But still fun nonetheless because you do end up chatting with people. You do end up getting interesting ideas from others. And you're right, it is a global phenomenon. And seeing kind of what that is, what people are talking about, what all the fuss is all about, and what everyone's really enjoying and how accessible it is, is a huge thing. I think that's a pretty good, strong that, point of the game. Actually, that makes me remember, I'm just noting down that... Uh, at some point in the future, we need to speak about uh, the mobile gaming. Absolutely. There yes. have been some, from a perspective of uh, gaming history that I have been thinking on for quite some time. There are games in the mobile sphere which are succeeding like nobody's business. Absolutely and right. Some, of course, it may just be the the mothers and the fathers and the aunties and the uncles playing. But, uh, and I, I'm not really much interested in the psychology of Candy Crush. <laughs> but uh, there have been there's some a psychology of Candy Crush <laughs> I think there should be <laughs> <laughs> oh, well I'll, I'll, I'll get started on that one <laughs> but uh, things like War of Clans and ex- I, I, I mean it's it's interesting it's interesting how heavy duty investment uh, oriented games not just cash but time and energy investment have been simplified avatars of that have come out and it has hit the next generation in a big way. Absolutely. So like yeah. you know, when, I, when I speak to my nephew, they already know this, they, already, they understand it. They, they, yeah. they understand um, the balance issues. I mean, they, they're smart enough to understand like, okay, no, they don't play that guy. His, his balance is all wrong. I mean, he's surely got some cards which we have not yet got. So I mean, I'm talking this to a seven-year-old. That's so, actually really impressive. Because I think, and one more reason why the Hearthstone uh, medium, uh, I think, makes a person learn faster is because of, I mean, some people will throw it away as a cute activity, but uh, the animation, the action animation, let's say, like Magic the Gathering, uh, when I'm learning from you, I'm understanding uh, more of the context of where things are and how you think about it when you're playing it. But uh, the mechanics of the game, which I learned before, and you gave me a refresher, I learned from the Duel of the Planeswalker iOS uh, solutions, right? And the whole idea of the actions happening itself gives you a lot of idea. Hey, this card is the one which went out and attacked, etc. I mean, Absolutely, a picture yeah. speaks, uh, you know, much more than words do. It's as simple as that. And I, this is not just for this. I mean, again, future, future subject, uh, way in the future probably, but from a psychology perspective, from a learning perspective, I am a big fan of US sports. I'm a big fan of US sports. uh, And I've learned all the rules of US sports from games. Right. Because there's no way you can learn this by reading the book. I absolutely know what you (laughs) mean. You either see the sports real time or by games. So I learned it through games. I learned from Madden football and I learned it from baseball uh, 1, 2, 3 or whatever it was. And I learned it from NBA smash ups. Absolutely. Even the game that way. So I think. I think um, Hearthstone has that ability to uh, uh, teach people what a CCG works like, how to work absolutely. it out logically, etc. And there's a lot of tangential learning that kind of goes through this, which I think is absolutely something we could talk about. Um, if anyone's interested in this, by the way, uh, Extra Credits, who's another content creator on YouTube, did a fantastic episode a while back on tangential learning through video games. But yes, so things like statistics, like basic statistics and probability, like what are the odds I'm going to draw this kind of card, you know, mechanics, so just you know, what happens next turn, forethought, thinking, tactics, all these things kind of come into play here. 
you know, and it could just be something as simple as you know a, a weirdly named card that you didn't realize was named after something else, and you go and wiki that up. You know, one is always one of those fantastic examples that I always like to use is Magic. A few years ago, had a Greek slash Roman themed set where they went to a plane where obviously they drew these very obvious like parallels, and so many more people kind of ended up discovering. You know, Greek and Roman mythology, and realizing that they really like this or they're really into this, kind of a result of that, and that's a really good example of like what you know. I sincerely believe that games can do a lot of good, yes. and I think that tangential learning is something we could really talk about when it comes to a lot of different kinds of nerdy media, because you're right. I do think you know a lot of what we do is underestimated as chess. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, because I think you're right. A lot of what we you know, see as generally nerdy hobbies like tabletop gaming, card gaming, video games, they are seen as childish to this day. And that's kind of a misconception at this point because, you know, video games have been known to deal with, you know, difficult subjects. You know, they are closer to an art but, form now but, than they've been. But I must, uh, I must uh, speak for the defense here uh, from an angle that if you look only at the mechanics of a game, then it is childish. I mean, I have seen people play only for the mechanics of the game. They want to win a game. That's it. Okay. I mean, that's all there to it. And if that is it, it's fun. It's fun. I'm, I'm, it's as fun as anything else in the life, which is fun. It's as fun as watching Arnab on Republic shouting all over the place. That's but if you do not get in, personally, I feel, if you do not get involved in um, a little bit more, a little bit more. Maybe if you're interested in the mechanics, maybe you learn a little more on the strategy of the game. Or you try to think on what you played and try to make yourself better. That's one way of going about it. Or people like me, I want to see what is the connections. Like Netrunner, I started Netrunner, I went back and read my um, Wilson, uh, William Gibson. Uh, and uh, I, it was such a pleasant, interesting read for me when I saw all the names of people and archaeologies and all being in, reflected back into the game. And right. it says, I, I can see that you can have fun with the game without having knowing any of that. But I think either strategically, either you try to be the best in that game, at least on your own, or you know the theme and content, go down all these rabbit holes. If you don't do either of that, it's just sitting on the table and... Uh, but to be fair, I think depending on the difficulty of the game, even that skill set that you use to sit at the table and you know figure out what the odds are, do add something to you. Just do just helps you hone your mind a little bit, just because of the way or the kind of thinking that it requires to be good at that kind of game, right? Because you can't, at some level, you can't actually be good at, say, building a good netrunner deck if you can't do basic probability to say, you know what, I need a certain percentage of the deck to be economy cards, or I need a certain number of the deck to be, you know, icebreakers, because I have to draw my icebreakers, so I need to put in X copies of this, when you go into that kind of thinking, the the very nature of the skill set that it takes to be good at those games, I think, does add some sort, some level of learning, some level of honing your mind to get good at it. Fair enough, fair enough. But I in think right now, simpler games, I do yeah. agree with you there. Because for me, I think the way I see it right now is generally speaking, um, I well, I play to win. Everyone plays to win. It's, it's the most interesting thing to do. But I don't play only to win. A lot of the fun games I've had are games I've lost. Absolutely right. But, yeah. uh, but the interesting part for me from a mechanics part of the game is I, yeah, I need to understand why I lost. 
right? Exactly. Because right. then you appreciate how the other side won, and that's that's an interesting part itself. And then the thematic part comes, and there are games where you go through the theme of it. You play Game of Thrones, the board game, and you you are Absolutely. doing something you have wanted to do from the day one of reading the book. From Absolutely my side, right. right. No, play, take out this thing out there and just play this game. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but. I I find the people who call it childish are the people who just come in and play it like uh, like people play uh, cards uh, casually. Right, exactly. As opposed to the people who come and play bridge or 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 some hearts in a regular environment. Right. So every Where time they are thinking. Yes, Where every goal time is their, to their, their, their goal is like this: is how we should play better, and they even do. For people who do this regularly with each other, they also start wondering on uh, psychology. That person yeah. will never do this. I absolutely. know that, so I play it this way or that way. Or yeah, because at the point, you're not playing the game; you're playing your opponent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. That's a very good point. And you know what? I think we can do a lot of talking on how really you know the games that I think we like the most are probably the ones that translate flavor and story and theme into mechanics very efficiently. And we would absolutely probably be doing an episode on that at some <laughs> yes, point. But uh, for today, so, this kind of probably brings us just about up to an hour. So. You know, maybe we should just do a quick recap. So we talked a little bit about, you know, all the really cool, fun new trailers coming out of Comic Con. Um, we kind of went through Hearthstone thing on CCGs, a little primer on Hearthstone for beginners or anyone looking to get into it. Um, any comments? Please leave them in the comment section below. Um, we have to decide where we are posting it. We do have but to we decide where we are posting it. But we will still have a comment, and I'll probably make up a Gmail account for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, we'll, 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 we'll figure that one out. But um, for now, I would say this is a good point to kind of wrap up. Rich, any closing thoughts for us? Um, no, not really. I mean, I just I, I'm I'm really hopeful that we continue to put this out. Hopefully, weekly, like we said. But even if it isn't weekly, I just want to put out more content out there, uh, get more inputs from people, uh, give everybody a chance to put in their thoughts and all, and basically create a medium here. Uh, in our neck of the woods, where we can yeah. have things happening. For anyone who doesn't know, our neck of the woods is India. <laughs> Pune specifically. Pune specifically. That's right. Okay. Well, that's a really good point. So yeah, please. Again, we are open to any suggestions. You'll probably have some sort of way to reach one of us. So you know, let us know. The more you tell us that you want to hear us talk about anything in particular, the happier we'll be to do it. We're always happy for content because honestly, at this point. We have a finite number of ideas. Uh, hopefully, we can talk more about CCGs. But uh, we'll be back hopefully next week with another hour of, you know, convivial chatting and talking about some particular nerdy topic for next week. In the meantime, signing off. This is Raider Crom with Bridgewiz. Hope you guys have a great week, day, weekend, as, whatever it is. As one of my favorite signing off chap used to say. May all your crits be hits. May all your crits be hits. No, it's other way around. May all your hits be hits. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking. A little X-wing humor for all of you guys out there. So may all your hits be crits, guys. Cheers. <laughs>